You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. Well, here we go again from my uh, spacious Airbnb, Greg Bedard, Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles, brought to you by betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Greg, a lot of uh, stories popping up here for the Patriots last few days. Uh, We have to start with Joe Judge. Joe Judge has been named officially an offensive assistant. Tell people, if you can, what exactly that means and and what you think he'll be doing. Yeah, uh, good question. Let's back up a little bit because I think, um, you know, there's been a little bit, not confusion, but it's it's been basically in flux what Joe Judge was going to do. And, you know, there were a lot of heavy rumors. Uh, that and, that Joe Judge was going to go to the Raiders and be Josh McDaniel's special teams coordinator. Uh, Joe Judge is best friends with Patrick Graham, who is now the Raiders' defensive coordinator. Graham was under Judge as defensive coordinator with the Giants. Um, I think that the Raiders wanted that. I think that that Judge was offered that, and I think he was he was going to take it. But I think he was waiting to hear from Bill Belichick and. I think people are probably wondering, like, why all of a sudden this stuff is happening now. I think that Bill was off last week. Uh, He was not in Mobile, Alabama for the Super Bowl, uh, despite Dave Ziegler leaving and sort of the front office being in flux. I don't think Bill uh, was really actively working last week. I think he got back in the office on Monday and started making calls. And then all of a sudden, Tuesday, Joe Judge is a quote-unquote offensive assistant. Um, so I wanted to point out how that has sort of changed. Uh, Joe Judge as an offensive assistant, of course, a lot of people, Nick, their immediate reaction is just like, oh, my God, what are we doing here? Joe Judge, <laughs> his Giants press conferences. Uh, you know, a couple things I want to say. Number one, Joe Judge is a good football coach. He is. Um, he was an excellent special teams coordinator. Bill Belichick thought enough of his work as special teams coordinator to make him receivers coach his final year in New England. Uh, he was offered the Mississippi State head coaching job. It didn't take him very long to be be offered the Giants head coaching job. Um, you know, he his tenure in, in New York was largely forgettable. Uh, you know, it happens. Some of his press conferences were problematic, but that should not take away from the fact that Joe Judge is a good football coach. He is. Right. He gets guys to play well for him. He's he's organized. Special teams coordinator is one of the hardest jobs in the National Football League, and I thought he 
he, he's always done well at that. Um, Joe Judge is also a former quarterback. He was a high school quarterback. He was a backup quarterback at Mississippi State. So he comes from an offensive side of the ball. That's that's largely where he was. And then he was a grad assistant at Mississippi State. He was uh, he went to the special team side with Nick Saban, and that's how he ended up with the Patriots, a special teams coordinator. So don't feel that offense is foreign to him. Uh, you know, like we said, he had the receivers coaching experience here with the Patriots that one one year. I will say it did not go well. Uh, Joe Judge being a wide receivers coach was not exactly Tom Brady's favorite thing when he was here his final season. So that's also additional background. But as far as what it means for the Patriots right now, uh, to me, Nick, as of right now, and I still think Belichick is working through a bunch of things and we could see uh, possible more changes down the line. To me, this is setting up as uh, no matter what they do. And as of right now, I would say the, the favorite in the clubhouse to basically be the quote unquote offensive coordinator is Nick Cayley, the tight ends hmm. coach. He's been here for seven years. Yeah. I, I, you know, he's a, he's very bright. He's well thought of. Um, he, he's, you know, I, I think he's a good coach and I think he, he's going to be sort of in the role of like Josh McDaniels after Charlie Weiss went to Notre Dame, uh, Bill O'Brien after Josh McDaniels went to the Broncos and but Bill doesn't just leave those guys on an island. He gives them help. And I think I think uh, uh, Joe Judge is there to help him. And if you know, he, and he, I don't think naming him an offensive assistant, I don't think Bill knows exactly the way it's going to shake out. But I think as of right now, Nick Cayley is going to be the, the de facto offensive coordinator. Uh, Joe Judge is going to help him in certain areas. Game planning might take over the tight ends. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. And so Joe Judge is helping with the offense. Bill Belichick helps with uh, defense. I think Judge and Belichick can help with the special teams. And I think Matt Patricia, who is still here, is basically help for the front office, where as of right now, it looks like Elliot Wolf will probably ascend to being the quote-unquote personnel director, GM, what have you. Right. Um, but it'll Correct. be a group effort. But so so you have... You have basically experienced supervisors at you know at, with everything with the Patriots. It's not ideal. It's not what pay, people probably want to hear. But Nick, I think that's where they are. I was going to ask you, you know, before we get too far down the road with the entire picture of this thing, what happened with Bill O'Brien? Was it the fact that he feels like he might be close to coming back to the NFL as a head coach soon enough? Is it there was some concern about? you know, quote unquote, poaching him from Nick Saban. We have the quotes where Saban says, you know, he's not a big fan of, you know, friends poaching from his staff and all of that stuff. Yep. Is that what happened? Is Bill O'Brien still think on it's the over. radar? Or? Yeah, I don't think it's over. Like I said, okay. I think Bill started a lot of this work on Monday. And okay. and we've gone through this. We saw this with the Josh McDaniels, uh, you know, when he agreed to become the Colts head coach. He never talked to Bill that entire process until all of a sudden he did, and then he's staying. Like, this is what happens with Belichick. He gets through his work with the season. He's just focused on what's in front of him, review the season, maybe get away for a week, you know, recharge, clarify, you know, sort of clear the mind so that he, he has a better idea of what he wants to do and how he wants to see the team for 2022. And I think that, uh, Bill started his work on 2022 basically on Monday. 
And I think that's – and he's probably basically going through it. He probably has a list. I don't think the Bill O'Brien thing is done yet. I think that what you heard last week from Nick Saban, and it's been um, reported all over the place that Nick Saban said, I don't think Bill O'Brien is looking to leave. And I think in that moment, absolutely 100% correct because no one had really heard from Bill, Bill Belichick. Right. And But I do think that there could be some conversations between Saban and Belichick and O'Brien this week. I Bill, Bill O'Brien would like to come back here and work for the Patriots. Um, now, I don't believe any of this stuff. I, I you know I've heard some of the Boston radio talking about like, or even some of the reports they talk about. Well, you know maybe it's maybe it's not best for for Bill O'Brien to come back here because he could just be gone in a year. First of all, I mean th- that's not going to happen. I mean, look at Josh McDaniels. People are probably saying the same thing about Josh <laughs> McDaniels, and he right. was here for like eleven years. Um, you know and. and you, who was the last coach to jump from college coordinator to an NFL head coach? I can't even think of anybody. So that's not going to happen. Um, it could it happen? Yeah. Will he get interviews? Yeah. As favors to agents and keep Bill O'Brien's name in circulation. But if Bill O'Brien wants to be an NFL head coach again, which he does, and I don't think he would mind succeeding Bill Belichick here, then you come to the New England Patriots, you prove yourself developing Mac Jones, and that's the surest path, whether it's here or someplace else, to be an NFL head coach. So I do not think the Bill O'Brien thing is done yet. Um, could we know by the end of the week whether it is? Yes. But again, I think this is a work in progress for Belichick, and and I think that um, that is still a possibility for them. And it's, to me, it's the ideal. That's what I want. That's what Mac Jones should want. That's what Bill Belichick should want. Bill O'Brien back here being seamless, being head coach of the offense, and keeping things rolling uh, from where Josh McDaniels was. It's interesting that you know Joe Judge decides to stick in New England or come back to New England instead of going to the Raiders and, and having a special teams coordinator position uh, just ready for him under Josh McDaniels. The fact that he's willing to come back to New England as an offensive assistant when, as you're saying, that there's some fluidity to this and there's really no guarantee of exactly what he'll be doing. I guess you could say there's the pull of Belichick. There's the pull of, you know, maybe coming back, Absolutely. quote unquote, home. Um, but it's, it's, it's just fascinating to me, right? Because you could have a solid position figured out for yourself. You could live in Vegas. You could be working under McDaniels. Uh, you know, and you, you'd have the responsibility, you would know what you were doing, but Joe Judge instead decided to stay on the East Coast and, and stay with, you know, return and, and be with Belichick and figure out the role. I, I agree with you, you know, Bill O'Brien, he's not the, I don't know if he's the greatest offensive coordinator. I do have my issues of, of certain things that he did in Houston, calling plays and all of that at, at inopportune times. But as far as seamless transition, and we know what Josh McDaniels had been doing over the past, really ever since he came back, as you've said this mm-hmm. on, on this podcast several times, he was the head coach of the offense. I mean, he, that that he was the guy offensively. Belichick mostly stayed out of his way. He, you know, obviously he'd have his own thoughts and he'd have the final call on game days. But McDaniels was the head coach of that offense, and and I would be concerned. Um, even with Joe Judge there to just roll with Kaylee as the guy. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of questions about this staff right now, defensively already with Steve Belichick and Mayo, and we'll talk about Mayo in a couple of minutes. 
but there's already some questions about the staffing on the defensive side. The last thing I want is questions about the offensive side of the staffing. I would much rather have somebody who's experienced, knows the, knows the system. Bill O'Brien also has learned some more spread schemes and has done some different things with Alabama that I think he could bring to New England. I would much rather have that than a first-time offensive coordinator, uh, you know, de facto, with Joe Judge overseeing him. I'd, I'd much rather have Bill O'Brien. Yeah, a couple of things on that real quick. Um, on Joe Judge, I think if you're Joe Judge, and I think he, he would have been fine being the special teams coordinator in in Las Vegas, but if he wants to be a head coach again, which he does, then I think it was much more appealing for him to have an offensive role. Um, you know, he, he's already proven that he can be a special teams coordinator, a really good one, and – you know, that's great. Like, you know, John Harbaugh was a special teams coordinator in Philly and became a successful NFL head coach. But, you know, you need to these days, and this is part of the, you know, the Rooney rule and, and helping minority head coaches. I've heard some of this discussion is, and Peter King wrote about this in his column. That's where I read it. Um, you need to touch the quarterback in some way yep. to get advancement in the NFL. So Joe yep. Judge it's much more appealing for him to be an offensive assistant and say, look what I learned. You know, I was a special teams coordinator. Now and I'm an offensive assistant and I worked a lot with the quarterbacks and I did this and it's a lot better for his career development to do that. So I think it was a draw. I think Belichick is absolutely a draw and coming back here and working. Um, you know, I do think that, um, you know, when you talk about, you know, Nick Cayley and, and O'Brien and, uh, you know, sort of that dynamic. I think that, uh, you know, I, I understand the trepidation and that's the other thing. It, it would be just about everybody else here, whether it was McDaniels or O'Brien elevated from being the quarterback's coach uh, to being the offensive coordinator. Cayley hasn't done that. So I could see him being more being named quarterbacks coach instead of offensive coordinator, maybe judge helping out at tight end or, you know, they have other, uh, you know, assistants on the staff, but I think that's a big thing. When you talk about a big jump for, for Kaylee, and I think you're right to point that out, Nick, it's because he hasn't touched the quarterbacks yet and he needs to do that. And so that's been sort of the path in new England. Yeah. And I love your point about judge because you know, people look at the diversity issue, which we talked about last week. And, and I believe I mentioned if I didn't at the time, a lot of these guys that are getting jobs right now, offensive coordinators, they're on the offensive side of the football. And when you look across the league, I think it's like, you know, four or five offensive coordinators in football are black or brown. And that's one of the major issues. Mike McDaniel, who is biracial, just went from the OC of San Fran to Miami. So that was one minority higher from the offensive side of the ball. But that's that's where the game is leading, as, as we all know. And, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if, if some of that changes over the next couple of years now that people see that clear kind of funnel system uh, being created. Uh, let's move to Mac Jones quickly. With all of this conversation, how does it impact Mac? You said, you know, Judge has worked with quarterbacks. He's worked on the offensive side, so that's good. Um, I think the Bill O'Brien thing would be great for Mac because, yep. you know, they didn't, they didn't have that coach-player relationship. But as we've all read and we've all heard, you know, Mac Jones helped, uh, helped Bill O'Brien learn that Alabama offense a little bit there. And, and it seems like it would be a good match. How's this all impact Mac right now, Greg? 
Yeah, I mean, it's not ideal, but I think people, um, first of all, as usual, are underestimating Mac himself. I think that, um, you know, the one year with Josh McDaniels and the amount of, uh, you know, tutoring he got one-on-one and, and, you know, Bo Hardigree might have been the quarterback's coach, but it was Josh McDaniels was training Mac Jones from the get-go. And and I think that, uh, you know, Mac Jones is so smart and what he learned from McDaniels, uh, you know, he's not Brady in the middle of his career, but I think he's off to a really good start. And I don't think, I don't think Mac needs a whole lot of coaching as far as, you know, the, the scheme and what he needs to develop and things like that. Um, you know, we're, we're going to have to see how this works out. I mean, I think that, you know, Bo Hardigree went with Josh McDaniels to the Raiders. Right. Uh, so that's another loss for them. They're going to have to find, they're going to have to find a quarterback's coach that could be Nick Kelly where they move him over there. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Adam Gase in that role. Um, I think that Adam Gase is uh, people can say what they want. I think he's a really good offensive coordinator. Um, I think that his work with Ryan Tannehill in, I want to say 2016 uh, was very Josh Allen esque where Ryan Tannehill was a guy that I had basically buried as a, as a good NFL starter, a franchise quarterback where he could just lift a team by himself, which he's never developed into. He needs a running game in Tennessee, but before he injured his knee in 2016, Ryan Tannehill was like in the MVP discussion. I thought I was going to have to eat my words on him too. Um, and that was all Adam Gase. He knows how to scheme. He knows how to attack defenses. Bill Belichick knows that. He sees it on film. That's why he's always liked him. So people can mock Adam Gase all they want. They're just wrong when it comes to football and scheme and things like that. He might not be a good head coach, but – there's a lot of guys like that who, who right. are better coordinators than head coaches. Uh, so they need to find they need to they need to find an experienced quarterbacks coach um, to work with Mac Jones. I would like to see that. I'm not overly worried about it because I think Mac uh, can do a lot of this on his own. That's how freaking smart he is. Um, and Bill Bell checks around. I'm sure Bill loves having the the, the meetings with Mac um, after maybe not enjoying them with Tom Brady uh, in the last couple of years. So uh, I'm not overly worried about Mac Jones. All right. Before we get to the defensive side, because uh, Gerard Mayo was on Zolak and Bertrand uh, this week, and it caught the ear of our guy, Greg, before we get to that, Greg, let's tell the fine people who listen to this podcast, watch the podcast about our friends at BetOnline.ag, the fastest, easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. The big game is finally here as we hit Super Bowl Sunday with the last game of the football season, and Bet Online has you covered from odds, scores, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. Bet Online is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football. Bet Online's basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC odds coverage is the best in the business from sports right down. To your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, to get you started. The fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games, BetOnline, where the game starts. 
Yeah, big, uh, big fight this weekend. I know you don't care, but uh, Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker for the title. That's happening on Saturday oh, night. So uh, you can get you can get uh, to betonline.ag and, and take a look at some of those odds. It's a, it's a good fight, fun fight. If you're wondering, I have Adesanya. All right, so let's get to uh, Gerard Mayo on Zolak and Bertrand. A couple of good things you heard, Greg, a couple of things that you weren't necessarily in love with. Let's start with the good. Mayo talked about what we've talked about over the last, it feels like, five years, but it's the last couple of years on this podcast, getting faster and getting more explosive on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, me said he, we're looking to get faster, more explosive, and put more playmakers on the field. I mean, hallelujah, music <laughs> to our ears. Like, at least they're seeing things, for the most part, uh, the way it is on film, the way it is apparent to everybody that at various points this year, uh, the Patriots – uh, you know, played slow. They did not look athletic. They, uh, they, they had a lot of issues. They didn't make enough negative plays towards the end of the season. Uh, not enough pass rush exposed the coverage. It was just, it was bad. It was some of the worst defensive football we've seen ever around here, especially from a group with that had talent on it. Um, so, you know, that was good to hear. It was good to hear that, um, that Mayo has basically turned down defensive coordinator positions or at least interviewing for those uh, because he said, uh, I want to jump in there. Are you surprised that he wasn't involved with the Raiders process? I mean, uh, Josh McDaniels didn't bring him in or or did he try to bring him in? And we don't know about that. It seemed to me when McDaniels went to Vegas, I thought, well, maybe he would take Mayo with him as the DC, but that, that never kind of came to fruition. Yeah. I don't think that was ever on, on the radar. I don't think it was ever a consideration. I mean, I know people like to talk about that stuff, but um, I don't think that McDaniels wanted to take too many Patriots people. Gotcha. Uh, you don't want to go raiding the Patriots. You know, he brought hard degree, and I think that might be it. Um, and, you know, and the, the big thing in Mayo addressed it is like, you know, look, why is he going to take a, defensive coordinator position somewhere why if you're Josh McDaniels you bring in Gerard Mayo and he proves himself as a defense coordinator a year or two and then he's gone he's getting a head coaching job Mayo can jump from a head coaching job from New England where he's comfortable his kids are in school um to a head coaching job and uh you know I I think he's he even said that in the interview that he's very comfortable with that as opposed to other uh assistant coaches Nick uh, he's a former first round pick. He got a lot of extensions from the Patriots. Uh, basically he was the contract guy for Belichick. So if they needed to create some cap space, Mayo was the guy who got money up front, uh, to spread out his cap hit. So he has money and he's done well with his money. He's making the rounds right now. Cause he's got that sweet Hellman's Mayo money coming in uh, <laughs> for a Super Bowl spot. So he's not like, these guys who have been working for the Patriots and they've been, you know, started out making $60,000 and working 80 hours a week uh, and have slowly moved up, he's made millions. And so he can afford to be picky as opposed to some other players. So, yeah, I was not, I was not surprised at that. I never thought that was going to happen. Don't want to spend too much time on this, but I just got to have a weird hypothetical since we're talking about Joe Judge's future and Bill O'Brien and, and Bill O'Brien possibly looking at the Patriots head coaching job when Belichick decides to call it a career, which I don't know, might be another 20 years from now, the way he's going. But when you when you look at Mayo, do you think Mayo's on the board? 
the Patriots look at him as maybe somebody who might rise up to that level. And maybe he's thinking, Absolutely. well, why am I going to leave when I might be anointed the guy when, when Bill steps aside? Yeah, I, I, I definitely do. But I do think that Mayo is now in the Josh McDaniels uh, sort of role where, you know, we talked for years about Josh McDaniels possibly succeeding Bill Belichick, but I kept telling people like, no, he's, he, he's listening. And I think Mayo is listening. I think he, he will take the first head coaching job that he gets right. Um, right. the first offer. But you know, if I'm the, if I'm the crafts having Gerard Mayo here and possibly succeeding bill um, would be uh, I, I, I would really like that. Uh, one thing I would like to see, if that is indeed the case, I, he's a guy that I would like to see get more offensive experience, um, you know, perhaps after the season, if he is doing that to become a more well-rounded coach. The funny thing is it'd be kind of strange, right? Belichick decides to step down. His son has been calling the plays of the defensive side of the ball, but then Mayo would leapfrog Steven and be the guy. And it, it would just be very interesting because people would wonder, well, why was Steve Belichick calling the plays then on Sunday if Mayo was the guy who was waiting to be the head yep. coach? What, what the hell was going on there? And, and we've, you know, I was reading, I forget who it was now, but I've been, you know, I was reading over the last week or so that, you know, Mayo has, he takes the brunt of the work during the week. I mean, he, he does a lot of the game planning and he, he does a lot of the work behind the scenes. And on Sunday, Steven kind of calls the plays. You know, I, I don't I don't know if that's, you know, perfectly accurate or not, but that's what I was reading from at least one or two people. Um, so that that would just be a, an interesting decision by Belichick, because obviously Bill is going to have a huge hand in selecting his successor. And it would just be that would be a hell of a storyline. Could you imagine Felger eating that thing up for a couple of weeks? His son, his own son, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's get to. uh one more thing about the Zolak and Bertrand appearance from Mayo. Uh, the thing that you didn't necessarily love about it was there was some excuse making and, and talking about rankings and where they slotted in the seat. So what rubbed you the wrong way about all that? Uh, I, you know, I think it was, you know, he, he, first of all, he was asked about the comments that Rodney uh, Harrison had made about, uh, I think it was on Tom Kern's podcast about, uh, he basically called the defense soft and he, you know, how he didn't like it. And they, he, th he said they got pushed around and stuff like that. Mayo pushed against that. I think those guys are definitely physical. Uh, were there times where it did look like we got soft? Absolutely. But overall, I would not call us a soft defense at the end of the day. It's about points and how many points we gave up. This is what I didn't like. If you zoom out and look at the season as a whole, oh, we boy. ended up third in scoring defense and seventh yeah. in yards. <laughs> so I heard that stuff and I'm just like, and I heard him he, he, very early on. He started talking that way. And I'm just like, you know, I mean, come on, let, like, let's be real. This, that's Patriots footy pajama fans talking like you got trucked the last five, you know, the, for the last five games, you couldn't stop a nosebleed when you need the whole season, when you needed a stop, yep. the defense couldn't get it. And you yep. go to points. I mean, because what you had a really weak schedule this season, like they had one of the weakest defensive schedules in the league. Buffalo, I think, was the, the easiest. New England was like the third easiest. Like, let's be real. I mean, he did acknowledge he did say we didn't play as consistent as we needed to play, especially against good teams. OK, but to me, it's it's Mayo is hearing that 
from Belichick too, sort of in the review. Like, you know, we played good defense at times. That's you look where we were in points and yards and blah, blah, blah. Like, and, and you also hear this from some Patriots reporters, like look at, I don't know, expected points or whatever. Like, no, look at the film and how they did, especially with Buffalo running right through you. What was it? 10 consecutive touchdown drives you gave up to the Bills in your own division? You know, that's the kind of stuff that I want to hear, that it's not good enough, that we need to get a lot better instead of talking about, oh, well, we were third in points. So that means you're a top five defense? I mean, come on, give me a break. And, and so if if that's where they're coming from, then – I'm not very happy about it, and I'm not very optimistic that things are really going to change. But at least we did hear some of some of the reality in this interview with Mayo. And 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 you know, Gerard is a is a realist at the end of the day. But I don't. That's a Belichick line about the points, and it drives me crazy. <laughs> I could tell. Uh, let's jump <laughs> to the big game on Sunday. Uh, I, I would like to mention that Bedard went one for one, one and one, not one for one, one and one last week. Uh, if you're wondering how he's done in the playoffs, straight up he's nine and three against the spread. He's eight and four. Uh, the Rams, the Bengals, Sunday Rams minus four. The over under is forty eight and a half. Greg, how are you feeling about this game? Yeah, I mean, Nick, on paper, the Rams should win this going away. Uh, the Bengals do not protect, uh, you know, well enough up front. I think you know these guys, whether it's Aaron Donald or Von Miller, they have an extra week of rest. Uh, yes, you could say the same thing about the Bengals and the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs, but the Chiefs don't really rush to pass it that great. Chris Jones was beat up. Uh, who do they have? Ingram. Uh, Ingram is handled by everybody who has a plan. I don't think that the Chiefs' pass rush is even in the same ballpark uh, as the Rams. And then you have, you know, Jalen Ramsey, who can. Uh, you know, go up against Jamar Chase and at least, you know, hold him in check and you don't have to do a whole lot of other things. So on paper, the Rams have played really good defense of late. Uh, They should win going away, but I don't know, Nick. There's just something about this Bengals team. There's something about Burrow. There's something about just the Super Bowl in general. I mean, I'm not the biggest Zach Taylor fan in the world. Um, I And I do think that I do think McVay learned a lot from the Patriots Super Bowl and that loss, but I'm not willing to say he has it all figured out. He, he is one of these coaches that um, will have a failure to be uh, imaginative when it comes to how a team is going to defend them, how they're going to play in the game. So he can get caught uh, being too concerned about himself and not about the other team. And that's what got him against the Patriots. He wasn't prepared for the Patriots changing stream. Right. Uh, but I think just at the end of the day, I don't know. There's something about this Bengals team. There's something about Burrow. I think it's going to be close. Um, I I don't really have a strong feeling about this game um, either way. So at the end of the day, when I do that, I like to pick the underdog because I'd like to see the Bengals win. I don't really want to see the Rams win. Um, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go 23-20 Bengals for no other reason is that than I. I want to see that. I want to see the Bengals. <laughs> my, my heart, my heart wants the Bengals. One hundred percent. I love Joe Burrow. If, if you've seen some of the stuff that he has said this week, it is just—it's absolutely what you want to hear from your franchise quarterback, who's a young guy. 
you know, talking about social media and, you know, focus on playing and, and focus on getting better and don't throw everything out there on social media. People do that all the time. And the fact that he, he never thought once of ducking Cincinnati with the history there and never try to angle his way to, to go to another team. This is a guy who wants the challenge. He has embraced the challenge all year long. He said, you know, look, I know the history. It doesn't matter to me. I'm sick of, you know, after, after the first playoff game when they beat the Raiders and, and as they moved on, he's talking about, you know, everybody's calling us the underdog. I'm sick of the underdog narrative. We're not the underdog. I, I call him Captain Swag a lot. I just I just think the dude has uh, swag for days. I think that confidence creeps into the rest of the team. And we all have to contextualize what he's done this year. This offensive line is the shits. Um, it is one of the worst offensive lines in football. Uh, he was sacked more than 50 times. Pro Football Focus says they are one of the three worst pass protection teams in all of the league. Against Tennessee, mm-hmm. he was sacked nine times and hit 14 times. You, you watch in the you know, AFC championship game, he's, he's having to deal with pass rush and he's getting hit, and he has still been able to string together an unbelievable season. I mean, I, I think he is now at least in the conversation for being an elite quarterback at the NFL level. I think he's a top five mm-hmm. or six guy right now. And, you know, when I look at it, I really think the arguments between he and Justin Herbert as to who that next guy on the list is. Um, so I, I love him and I want Cincinnati to, to win this game, but I do think the Rams are going to win. I think the Rams defensive line is just so tough. Von Miller has been really good the last month and a half. Um, he was awesome you know, against the Niners. Oh, when you, when you have Buffalo's lap all fourth quarter, when you have Miller and Floyd and everybody overlooks Floyd, who's been a really good pass rusher this yep. year as well. And you've got obviously Donald pushing in the middle. That gives you three really good pass rushers. And I, I'm just afraid. I, I think, you know, it's going to lead to a mistake, and that'll be the difference in the game. Matthew Stafford could always throw a pick and, and do something boneheaded, but yep. I've got the Rams by six. I do think it's going to be close. I would not count the Bengals out. As you said, they've found ways to win, and Captain Swagalot, he's always one big quarter away from, from leading this team to a victory, but I, I do have the Rams. I, I would lay the points, minus four. I, I think they win by six. Um I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as people think. I would probably go the under on 48 and a half. You've got two quarterbacks yeah. who have, and yes, Burroughs got swag and he's played in gigantic games before, but there might be a little bit of nerves in the first quarter or so in this game. Stafford for a Super Bowl, Burroughs for a Super Bowl, a feeling out process. So uh, I would probably go under and lay the points with the Rams. I feel like, you know, you know, 26, 20, 23, 17, somewhere in that area. Nick, yeah, uh, you know, good points on all that. One thing I wanted to mention, you know, sort of taking off where, you know, you talked about Burrow. Um, first of all, I'm, I'm part of the reason I'm picking the Bengals because I don't trust Stafford. I think he's going to I think he's going to make a big mistake. I think he's going to keep the Bengals in the game. And I think they just needed to get to get it to the fourth quarter. And I think Burrow can make uh, the plays to put them over the top. Um, you know, related to both Stafford and Burrow, you know, there, there's a lot of conversation going on up here in new England, especially with the AFC championship game and the divisional rounds about, Oh, well you need to have this quarterback, this type of quarterback and, you know, or, or the Patriots aren't going to compete. You have to have a special elite guy with elite traits and blah, blah, blah. And look who, look who emerged Matthew Stafford, who has a dynamite arm always has, we all know right. that. Okay. So he has a great arm, but not the greatest mind tough as hell not the most mobile guy. And then you have Joe Burrow 
who is very similar to, you know, Tom Brady in that uh, not the biggest arm, his head and his competitiveness is what puts him over the top. And I think that these, these quarterbacks should show you that the Patriots have plenty in Mac Jones with Mac Jones, with development, Mac Jones talking before the pro bowl about, he knows I need to get stronger with, you know, I need to, my mechanics need improvement. Like Mac Jones with development is plenty for this Patriots team to compete with the best teams in the league and to reach Super Bowl level. You know, it might take a little bit of time, but he, he was only a rookie. Burrow's in his second year. Um, you know, I'm sure Burrow got a lot stronger so that he did make some plays from the pocket. Mac Jones made some plays from the pocket too this year yep. uh, for the Patriots. People forget. If anybody else came to play in the playoff game against the Bills, Mac Jones made two huge plays on third down on the first series of the game, yep. you know, a couple with his feet. And so um, I think to me, the lesson for what's happened this season in the, in the postseason, you know, for the Patriots is that, and Patriots fans out there is Mac Jones with development, with uh, you know, the offense improving around him is enough for this team. Yeah, I, I mean, when, when you look at when you look at Mac and, and what he's done, I, I agree with you 100%. I thought that playoff game, and no one's going to remember this because it was such a blowout. I thought yep. he was really good, and you he had was. a whole, you had an entire write up on it. If you didn't catch it, make sure you go to uh, BostonSportsJournal.com. You can you can find it in the good old archives. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought he was really good. One more thing about Burrow quickly. And you can Google this if you'd like, if you're a football nerd like Greg and I are. Um, there's a fascinating article. I know I know Greg is kind of, you know, lukewarm on PFF sometimes, but there was a, an awesome article by Pro Football Focus on Burrow this year. And the point that was made was that Burrow was the most aggressive quarterback in the NFL this year. He wasn't only the most aggressive, he was also the most accurate. And And when you just think about that, that's why he's dangerous. And, and it, Mac Jones has the accuracy. And I do think Mac will grow into being aggressive. That is the most dangerous combination for a quarterback. If you are aggressive and you are accurate with those aggressive throws, you can be any defense. And, and that's what we see with Burrow. He, he'll make two or three ridiculous throws, especially downfield the chase. And that's the difference in the game. Let's get to the uh, bostonsportsjournal.com member question of the day. $39.99 on the annual plan. Top-notch analysis. Tons of Bedard video analysis and access to weekly chats. Obviously, we've got the NBA trading deadline coming up uh, over the next day or so. So I'm sure our guy Corrales will be all over it. Uh, Merkazoid has the question of the week. Uh, it's about Jonu Smith and Isaiah Wynn. He's hearing a lot of things about both of those guys. But he wonders... Are the Patriots stuck with both of them because of their cap situation? So this question, Nick, comes from I've started my review of the Patriots seceding, grading the grading the Patriots, and I, and I had my offensive sort of unit grades. I gave the passing offense a C plus. I gave the rushing offense a what was the final grade a B. And I go through a bunch of stats, my own stats, other stats, things like that. And what becomes apparent is like. Well, first of all, Isaiah Wynn gave up the most quarterback pressure uh, on the team. Um, he also gave up 12 and a half stuffed runs, which was second on the team. Two, 
Johnny Smith. Johnny Smith led the <laughs> team in drops. Ugh. He had 20 stuffed runs allowed. Um, so that's where that question comes from. That when you go through this, you're like, all right, those guys aren't aren't great. Um, a couple of things on those guys. Uh, they could cut bait with both of those guys, but it's going to have to be trades. Uh, Isaiah Wynn is owed 10.4 million. It's guaranteed, but it's all in uh, it's all in salary. So they could trade him, and that automatically moves to the other team. So when it, it, they can't cut him, or uh, you know, if somebody picks him up there's probably some offset language where say another team wants to pay him $5 million. The Patriots had to pay the other five. Right. Uh, John U. Smith also is he's tougher to trade, which is why I probably think he's here and they just try to develop him. Uh, but you could trade him post June one, basically in camp, see how he comes to camp, trade him. And it basically uh, for this year, you actually net $6 million in, in cap savings. Uh, but it it sort of evens out uh, with the dead cap. Um, so the, it, you can move on from both guys. It, Johnny Smith is much harder. When you have to find a taker, maybe you do. Um, I think I think both of those guys are players that uh, the team will look at to uh, possibly look at. Like I'll, I'll just tell you right now, looking at overthecap.com's player valuation, they had Jonu Smith for $3 million. That's what they thought he was Ugh, worth last year. The Patriots are paying him 12.5 annually. Isaiah Wynn, his valuation is $6.3 million. So close to what they're paying him, supposed to pay him for next year. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, Jonu, I'm, <laughs> I would like to find a team that's, that's friendly to taking him. I don't know if they will. But I'm definitely looking at that. Uh, but, yeah, you could see both guys here. If both guys are back here, that doesn't mean that they won't move at some point. Uh, they could wait for an injury around the league and then move those guys. So, uh, yeah, definitely uh, a situation that's in flux with both those guys. I just want to say one thing before we bounce. Uh, you know, obviously, we're both in journalism. I, I do broadcast stuff. You do broadcast and, and written and, and website stuff. And, you know, when I was growing up, Art Martone was somebody who uh, worked for the Providence Journal and somebody who I read on a weekly basis. And he passed away. Uh, Chad Finn tweeted it out today. Um, tough situation, uh, you know, the circumstances. But I just wanted to, you know, send a little bit of a note out there to let everybody know that Art Martone's one of those guys who, you know, he, he might not be like super well known, was on TV and doing all this stuff. But, uh, you know, at least from where I grew up in Rhode Island, he was a pretty big deal at the Providence Journal. And, uh, he will be missed. And when I got into the business, nobody ever said a crossword about the guy. So uh, rest in power, Mar Art Martone. He's Greg. I'm Nick. Greg Bedard, Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles, brought to you by betonline.ag, the fastest, easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Enjoy the game on Sunday. We'll be back next week to talk more Patriots. Till then, be good, be healthy, be safe.